Hi everyone, I'm meteorologist Don Paul. Welcome to episode 26 of my podcast, Don Paul's Bits of Blather on Weather, Climate, and Science. And today is the sixth anniversary of the onset of what came to be known in Western New York as Snowvember 2014, one of the most paralyzing snowstorms in Western New York's recent history. And by recent, I mean going back to World War II with the hardest impacts in South Buffalo. And uh, I'm going to take the easy way out and actually read to you uh, portions of an article I wrote a year ago today for the Buffalo News. I am a regular contributor uh, to the Buffalo News three times a week in general, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays with articles on weather and climate. And today, six years ago, what came to be known by some as the wall of snow came to be. It occurred in two rounds, and it wasn't just disruptive. It was devastating. 13 people died, hundreds of roofs collapsed, and thousands of people became stranded on the New York Thruway and other roads. Now, something like this did happen at the end of World War II in 1945. In a lake effect storm, more than 70 inches fell in parts of the suburb of Lancaster, which is to the east southeast of Buffalo. But in the more recent era, the November storm of 2014 stands alone in many ways. Now, I'm going to post this article on my Facebook page. Uh, you can follow me just under the name Don Paul and look for the Don Paul who's a meteorologist, since there are a few other Don Pauls. Why? I don't know. And I'm I think I'm going to try to get it onto my Twitter, Don Paul Bits O Sun, as well. And I've got a time lapse uh, right near the top of the article of National Weather Service Doppler radar showing the amazing structure of this lake effect band. If you're not from Western New York or the Great Lakes, lake effect snow tends to occur in narrow bands. It can ex extend well inland from the lake if the winds are aligned properly and strong enough but the bands are narrow in their width. And uh, they usually move around during the course of a lake effect event. But what stands out about the intensity of the snowfall rates in this November event is the duration in place when the band didn't move for many, many hours. I applied when I was on the air at WIVB in North Buffalo. Uh, one of the most overblown terms I've ever uttered to describe that lack of movement, stationarity. And when you're doing one weather hit after another for hours, you do try to keep it fresh. Am I right, people? Anyway, stationarity, it's a, it's a real term. I didn't make it up. I just hadn't used it before. In any case, I hadn't seen such an intense band sit in place for so long a period before 2014 or since. As for intensity, ground truth measurements and radar estimates indicated up to six inches per hour fell in the core of the band, which wasn't moving, with around three inches per hour closer to its northern edge, which was in the southern half of Buffalo. That's the way lake effect goes. As so often is the case with lake effect outside the core of the band in North Buffalo, where my TV station was located, I recall only about four or five inches fell at WIBB, and that was true also in the densely populated north town suburbs. Uh, the most densely populated part of western New York is the northern half of Erie County, 
and the suburbs to the north, such as Amherst, a little more densely populated than the Southtown suburbs. Amherst, for example, has 125,000 people. And Amherst didn't get any more than WIVB. Most of those four inches fell at the onset of the storm in the first of two events in close proximity. That's when the developing band swung briefly north of the city after starting briefly south of the city before settling into its stationarity back farther south. Thunder snow was commonplace throughout the 15 to 20 mile wide band. That's always indicative of extreme intensity. Thunder snow is a reminder that lake effect is a convective event like thunderstorms, and when it gets intense enough, you get lightning. And thunder snow also tends to make broadcast meteorologists impossible to be around until we settle down. It's, it may be awful for normal humans, but it's pretty exciting to us. And the snow totals uh, tabulated by the National Weather Service Buffalo office, and I have a graphic in this article. Again, again this is going to go on my Facebook page, this article. Just an amazing bullseye just south of Buffalo. Uh, the totals on the graphic in this article through 1 p.m. on November 19th don't even include the second round that quickly followed the first round. The second round delivered another one to four feet to some of the same locations pummeled by the first incredible deluge. The throughway was closed from the Pennsylvania line all the way up to Rochester. And the 190, which goes around Buffalo, the 290 and the 400 were closed as well. So if you were crazy enough to try to drive it was pretty difficult to find open roads that would get you where you wanted to go anyway. Close to South Buffalo, up to 48 inches, or feet, if you don't want to do the math, fell by November 20th. And up to seven feet fell in portions of the nearby Buffalo South Towns and the more distant Erie County South Towns, as well as in the eastern suburbs, such as Lancaster and Depew. While the winds of this epic storm didn't meet blizzard criteria, and you may call meteorologists, oh, you sticklers, you, we need to keep blizzard as a severe weather term. A blizzard means visibility is a quarter mile or less in blowing snow, and winds should be, if not constantly 35 miles per hour or greater, uh, frequently gusting to over 35 miles an hour. So not every heavy snowstorm, even if the amounts are enormous is a blizzard. For example, Christmas week 2001, Buffalo received 82 inches of snow, the greatest week and month of snow in Buffalo record-keeping history. But none of it was of blizzard proportions because we thankfully did not have very strong winds with that heaviest of all snowfalls. Well, the meteorological setup for Snowvember was classic and its potency was apparent days in advance in the models and upstream reports. This was not a surprise event in any sense, though models underdid the peak totals covering a small area. The area that received seven feet was a very small geographical strip south of the more densely populated part of the Buffalo South Towns. Now, I am not one of these Governor Andrew Cuomo haters, but he came to Buffalo and tried to do a good job with some hands-on management of uh, keeping the region safe and reopening travel routes. But on his first day, 
he took a shot at the National Weather Service and basically said the forecast was poorly put together. And um, I was not the only meteorologist who went after him for that, but I did in print. And some of what I said was in a couple of publications and some others as well, including Tom Nizil, then at the Weather Channel as their winter weather specialist. But Tom uh, was the meteorologist in charge of the Buffalo National Weather Service office before he went to the Weather Channel. Um, we all kind of lit into the governor. And no, it has nothing to do, as I said with it in, on my part, with some anti-Cuomo bias. It's not the SAFE Act. In fact, the last rifle I touched was in the U.S. Army, and that was when President Nixon was still president. <laughs> in any case, I meander here. Uh, the Weather Service issued numerous statements days in advance of the enormity of the snow potential, as did local television meteorologists, including me. Do I have to tell you how much adrenaline flows in advance of what appears to be the ultimate whopper event? Even during the preceding weekend, when I was off, I recall just tearing up the keyboard on my PC with frequent detailed updates on social media. And I'm sure I wasn't unique among local meteorologists. And then I've got a, a segment uh, just in advance of the second round of Snowvember uh, from WIVB, which is also in the story. But did people at the Weather Service or me or any on, anyone else on Friday before the weekend of the event in the following week, say seven feet could fall? No, of course not. The science isn't there for that. No one forecasts seven feet of snow, particularly over a very small area, four or five days in advance. The only time you might be able to do that is if you work in the Seattle National Weather Service and you're forecasting for some of the mountain passes in the Cascades, where seven feet of snow is not the rarity it is near densely populated regions like Western New York's Buffalo metro area. Well, um, we had a lot of help from high resolution models. And uh, in the article, I detail what the upper air pattern looked like. There, there's a warm ridge of high pressure over Western North America, forcing the polar jet stream to go up and over it, tapping polar air, and then delivering it to the Great Lakes and passing it over warm waters. Take my word for it, this is about as classic an upper air setup for big lake, lake effect snow as you can get. Uh, and when low level winds passing over the lake converge into one direction, coming up the full length or fetch of Lake Erie from southwest to northeast when the waters are still relatively warm, and that's truly polar air pa passing over the lake, that allows the clouds to pick up more heat and moisture from the lake. So they billow up even higher, like pretty good sized thunderstorms all lined up in a row with that increased fetch. The convergence actually increases over land from friction with the rough surface. The lake is smooth, the land, not so much. And then the temperature drop-off rate and the absence of shifting wind directions for many thousands of feet. In other words, if the wind on the compass is coming in from 255 degrees, and that same direction extends a mile up with no shifting to 240 or 260, 
that's an absence of wind shear which allows the band to really become like a razor blade and that's what happened during november and that was indicated in the advanced forecasting tools we used to look back at past events and in models uh, and there were signs of long duration event of tremendous intensity shaping up but the absolute stationary stationarity was just extraordinary and when it really unfolded um it was apparent the models four or five days earlier had done a tremendous job and the meteorologists who massage the data and come up with a forecast had done a great job so i'm not patting myself on the back here while i was off on that previous saturday and sunday uh the weather service at the airport wrote terrific forecast discussions and warned that this was going to be a paralyzing event so the number seven feet didn't appear on Saturday before uh, the midweek event. But like I said, no one in their right mind in my profession would use such a number four or five days in advance. So this was just uh, the event, maybe not to end all events. I can say there is absolutely zero indication of a repeat of such an event coming this November. And uh, I'll be back on this podcast again soon enough. Thanks for listening this far. I hope you enjoyed it. And again, I'm posting that Buffalo News article on my Don Paul Facebook page. Talk to you soon.